Good evening, Christ Church, and Merry Christmas to all of you. It is good to be with you on this Christmas Eve as well. Thanks for being those of you who are joining online. Thanks for worshiping with us as well. Merry Christmas, everybody. Thrilled to have you here tonight. I'm Pastor Andrew, one of the pastors here at Christ Church, and uh, we are in a sermon series wrapping it up as this is Christmas Eve. Uh, we've been looking at road trips, and specifically the road trips that come from that very first Christmas. We know that Christmas time is a time where life gets busy. Many of you probably were in the car already some today, uh, visiting family, visiting friends, traveling here and there. Some of you even fit in multiple Christmases in the same day or in a small window. Kudos to you. Uh, but all of that time, that energy, and all that traveling is actually patterned after somewhat the original Christmas story. We don't often think of that, but that's what we've been looking at over these last couple weeks. We've been looking at the original Christmas story and the number of road trips that people took. As there was movement in their lives and movement in history, there were a lot of road trips at that original Christmas. We began this series by looking at Mary and Joseph. Kind of an obvious road trip, if you will. If you know anything about their story, they took a geographic road trip as they traveled down to Bethlehem itself. We looked at angels, and we talked about how angels had actually taken a road trip or moved from heaven and the heavenly realms to enter into earth and give a proclamation, a good news to some shepherds. And then we looked at the shepherds. Shepherds had a bit of a shorter road trip. They only had to go a couple miles to Bethlehem, but they represented a much larger movement and a much larger road trip as well. Finally, just this last Sunday, just a couple days ago, we looked at the wise men, the magi. And we saw how they took a significant geographic road trip that represented, again, a much larger picture of God's movement in the world and our movement as people in relation to the Christmas story. We finish today with arguably the most important of the Christmas road trips, and I guess maybe the most obvious one. It is God's road trip. God's road trip here to earth the way in which he draws close to us and is with us in the person, in the baby, in the child, Jesus Christ. You might know the story, but just in case, let's go over the Christmas story once again. This is the story that comes to us from Luke. Luke is one of the Gospels of the Bible. A Gospel is an account of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. The Gospel of Luke begins early on by telling of Jesus' birth. And this is what it says, starting in the second chapter. At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All people returned to their own ancestral homes, their towns, to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth, that's the northern part of Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in snuggly strips of cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no lodging available for them. That's the Christmas story in a nutshell. That God would come to us through Mary and Joseph and the pregnancy, would come to us as a child, as a baby. Now, we don't often think of God as a baby. 
I mean, frankly, do you ever think of God as a baby? <laughs> Not really. You probably picture him more like a slim Santa Claus up in the sky with the beard and the hair and everything, right? And so most of us picture God, all-powerful, uh, majestic. I mean, when God speaks, there's, there's thunder and clouds and things happen. And the only one stronger than Chuck Norris is God, okay? I mean, that's like how it works. That's our image of who God is, how we understand God. But a baby? No, 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 no. We, we, we don't tend to associate God as being a baby, a child. And babies are small. You know, they're loud. They're fussy. They're gassy. They poop and they eat. Have you ever seen one of these babies before? This is like what babies do. I know, I've had two of them. That's what they do. I mean, you got to picture what this, this, this night must have been like for God to come into this world as a baby. There was nothing silent at first about this night. There was a lot of screaming. It was the screaming at the top of your lungs night as this baby came into the world because that's what happens when babies come into the world. There's a whole lot of screaming. There's a whole lot of tears. There's a whole lot of sweat. There's blood. There's all sorts of stuff that happens. And then... And then this little thing is there, and it like before it even breathes, it's like blue, and it's got all this gunk on it. It's like a little blue alien. You all know what I'm talking about. And that was God? A little blue alien? Like, you got to be kidding me. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's what you looked like not long ago, kid. Trust me. <laughs> That's what it is. God came into the world as a baby. A fussy, gassy, poopy, crying baby. Then you got a picture of Joseph. I feel for Joseph. Right? Can you imagine? Can you imagine being Joseph trying to change God's diaper? Now, bear in mind, God is a boy. That means you got to be careful where the boy is pointed at all times. You, oh, yeah, you know where I'm going with this already, don't you? Joseph's like, okay, I'm supposed to do what, Mary? I do, I do this, I do... Oh, 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 oh Jesus! Oh, God! Oh, oh, make it stop! Oh, it's in my mouth! Ow! Oh. Ew! Yeah! We never think of God being messy, being... Gross! Being a baby. We don't think of the almighty, all-powerful, and all-knowing God covered in filth, born in a manger, a stable, a barn, as a weak, tiny infant Dependence on mother for milk. We don't picture God coming to be with us as a child. And yet that's the story the Bible tells. It's a story actually that goes way back. This process by which God takes this road trip has been a long time coming. If you go back in the Bible, you find that God has been planning and preparing for this road trip to come close to you and to me for eons, for ages. 
You go back to another guy named Isaiah, and during his life, he actually predicted this. He was a man who spoke for God, uh, someone that we refer to as a, a prophet, someone who spoke about what God was doing and what God had intended. And, and this is what he said about God. He said, all right then, the Lord himself will give you a sign. God is going to make it abundantly clear when he comes. Look, you'll know like this. Look, take, take a look and you'll see that the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and he will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us as a baby boy. The fancy term that we use in our theology and in Christian faith is the Incarnation. Uh, to break it down for you really simply and very easily, you probably uh, know the word like carnivore. If you've ever ordered a meat lover's pizza, you're a carnivore, all right? It shares the same root word. Incarnation means in meat. God came in meat, flesh, bone, marrow, blood, body. God entered this world in a physical tangible, real baby body. He left behind him his throne. He left behind him all the power and the majesty and the wonder that we so often associate with God. He, he actually chooses to leave that behind and instead inhabit this, this world as this child. He comes in poverty, in anonymity. He comes in the most surprising and insignificant of ways as a baby. God leaves heaven to come and dwell with you and me here on earth to take up residence, to live with us, eat with us, to die. God takes the ultimate road trip from his throne to a feeding trough, a manger. There's another Christian in, in, in history that talks about this and tries to put some language to this so that he can help explain how bizarre and supernatural this all is. He's trying to communicate to other Christians, other people who have heard about this and are like, really? God did that? He, he did that's what it's about? That's what Christmas is? And, and, and this other Christian, his name is Paul, says, yes, this, this is what it is. He says this in a letter that he writes to them. Though he was God, he's speaking of Jesus, this baby Jesus. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges, left behind the throne, left behind the easy life, left behind all the majesty and the wonder and the awe, and instead he took the humble position as a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God. And even to the point of death, he died a criminal's death on a cross. 
Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue would declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. You see, we as Christians, we have this outlandish, offensive, radical claim when it comes to Christmas that God in the person of Jesus Christ would give up his divine privileges, majesty, and glory and take a road trip in order to be with us, Emmanuel, God with us, in the flesh, as a child, as a baby. Vulnerable. Weak. Just like us. Vulnerable. Weak. Subject to the broken realities of our world. A baby boy who can experience pain and hurt and lies and deception and broken relationships and dreams that are shattered and all the junk, all the gunk that you and I have to navigate on a daily basis, Jesus knows and understands that. Why? Because he's like us. He came into this world as a child, a baby, and lived life in the same world that you live in. In fact, this world so openly rejected him, hated him, spit on him, that it actually crucifies him. When he grows up, this baby boy is put to death on a cross. God. God is put to death on a cross. There's a famous theologian uh, back during the time of World War II. His name is Dietrich Bonhoeffer. It's one of my favorites to read, and his sermons are far better than mine. He's got one great quote in one of his sermons. He says this, When it comes to God, knowing and understanding God and who he is, we as a Christian, we as people, we do not speak of God's omnipotence, in omniscience, that is how powerful he is and how all-knowing he is. Instead, we speak and we preach and we cling to the cradle and the cross. A God that we can hold and a God that we can crucify. God made man. For your sake and for mine. That is the radical, bizarre, crazy Christmas claim. It is the one that has been handed down from generation to generation of Christians. Wait, 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 wait. Let me get this straight. You're thinking, God, like, actually, God? God became a baby? Like, isn't this this weird? Wasn't Jesus like sort of like not or a son or what? Like, how does that all work? Like, it just doesn't seem to add up. Like, how can you take God and see God as a baby? I mean, come on. 
God's all-powerful. Where's the power and the might and the wonder? Where's the wisdom, the knowledge, the understanding? We start asking these questions, do we not? I mean, if God is all-powerful, all-eternal, all-knowing, all-God, how, how, how does that fit inside of a baby? How, why, that doesn't make sense. I mean, truly, where is the knowledge and the wisdom and the understanding of a baby? The only word they know is goo. It is revealed in the reality that only God could think up such a crazy and incredible plan so as to come as a child. Only God could imagine and dream and think of the incarnation of becoming man. But wait, 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 wait. Where is the divinity? Where is the perfection? I mean, come on, it's a baby covered in baby poop. It is found in his divine love. His divine and perfect love that is meant and given to you. A divine love that is for you. A perfect love that is given to you. No, 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 I refuse it. I just am not on board. Where's the might and the power? There's nothing mighty or powerful about a baby. The only thing they do is cry. No, you, you, you don't understand. God displays his might and his power the moment he stepped across the chasm of separation, the, 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 the gap between humanity and divinity. God took the initiative to cross over that. You want to talk about might and power? How about having the power to step into our world and your life? That's power. You want to talk about might? How about the dedication and the might of his will to draw close to you? There's God's power and God's might in this child. Don't miss it. Come on. No. There's thunder. There's lightning. There are earthquakes with this whole God thing. Not a baby. When the baby grows up and becomes a man, and that man is crucified, there's thunder and there's lightning and there's earthquakes because the very fabric of reality is torn, shaken, and disrupted as God willingly dies for us. You're telling me there's no majesty and glory in all of this? The majesty and the glory is found on that child's face. You ever held a baby before? Some of you probably have. Either one of your own, a nephew, a niece, a cousin, something, someone. But there is something beautiful and priceless in a child's face. How much more so in the fact that this child will grow up, will die upon a cross, and three days later, he will rise from the dead. You want to talk about majesty and glory? How about talking about Easter morning 
when you see the face of God in Jesus the Christ risen from the dead, having defeated sin, death, and the devil. Now you're talking about majesty. Now you're talking about glory, which he freely gives away, by the way. He gives to you. He defeats sin, death, and the devil. And then he gives his majesty. He gives his glory. He gives his heavenly privileges to you, those who would believe in him, those who would follow him. He gives it to you. To his children, an inheritance kept secure for you. God forsakes his own majesty and glory in heaven to enter into your world in order to give you his rights to heaven. Seriously? This little baby is God? Yeah. This little baby. His name is Jesus. And at Christmas, we celebrate the reality that God entered the world to be with us, to die for us, to be raised to life again for us, all found in this beautiful child, Jesus. If you want to know who God is, if you feel like you're searching, if you feel like life's falling apart, if you feel like you've ever yelled at the heavens for some Santa Claus in the sky saying, God, where are you? He is found in the manger. He is found in Jesus. He is found in this little baby. That that's what Christmas is about. So I wish you a very merry Christmas. A Christmas that is made merry and joyful in the knowledge and the faith that God has come to be part of your life in this baby, in Jesus the Christ. Amen, good? Please close with me in prayer. Let's pray together. Gracious and eternal God, we pray to you, our good and great God, who in your majesty and in your wonder you would step down to be close to us. You would take the ultimate road trip, leaving behind the comforts of heaven and the security and instead... Come as a child, vulnerable, weak, hurting, just like us. We are humbled by this story. We place our faith in this child, in Jesus, in who he grows up to be and what he accomplishes in his life, death, and resurrection. We place our faith in Jesus as God, as Emmanuel, God with us. 
May there be much merriment and much joy this holiday season, this Christmas, as we celebrate what it means to have you here, God. Jesus, you by your divine and Holy Spirit that you continue to be with us to this very day. Lead us to see and believe and know you as our good, great, and loving God. Help us experience you this Christmas. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.